Open up your Bibles again tonight to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. One of those familiar verses in Scripture that we hear often, more so than other verses. A common verse that is often used. This is the second part I started last week on the subject of getting it right. Getting it right. And we really do want to get it right. The whole Christian life, to be successful, to have grace flowing in your direction from God, to have his favor daily in your life, depends on you taking God at his word. Now, that's the only thing that God calls right. There are things that seem right to man that we make a deal out of, but God's word alone is right. His command to us is, as Christians, that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his right ways. And God said, everything will be added to you. Now, that's the way it's supposed to work. That's the testimony we're all supposed to have. Our responsibility as Christians is to get it right, not look for ways out, not cut corners and all of that, but to get it right. Now, our verse of Scripture says, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study, while in the English language, the word study has to do more with academics, you know, reading and taking notes and finding out what something means. Well, you could apply that to a degree with this word in the Christian life, but the word study has more to do with, with your diligence and your effort at living on God's terms. Make it the way you live. Study. Make every effort to do your best. The second word is approved, and the word has to do one who is proven through trials and testings. You say you believe something. Situations arise in your life in which that's not convenient to believe. Now we'll find out if you really believe it or not. Many people turn and run when trouble comes. They confess the right things. They say the right things. But when it comes to trouble and difficulties, they don't always do that. There's a lot of reasons why that's another sermon for another day. And then he uses a word that we be not ashamed, that we don't want to reach the end of our life or in any moment in our lives in which we're embarrassed by our lack of understanding, our lack of knowledge, and our lack of knowing how to walk with the Lord. Not that we know everything now. We don't have it all together yet, but we've been getting bits and pieces of it as Christians for years. Hopefully, every time you attend a meeting, a gospel meeting, a teaching like tonight, Hopefully there's always another piece of revelation or another bit of insight that God will give you. And you'll begin to see things the way God is saying it. And that's the right way that you want to go. And this is how God wants you to get it right. You don't want to come to the place where you've been a professing Christian for 30 years and you still don't know the books of the Bible. What books are in the New Testament? Can you quote and can you find the books? There's a lot of people that can't. They were never interested in things like that. Never, never meant much to them to investigate Scripture and see what it says. For most people, church is a place where you go 
to, to feel good and feel better about things and, and be inspired to, to think better and, and have more of a, of a good social effect on society. That's what church is to a lot of people. That's a modern view of how people look at the church. That's what it's supposed to do. So ministers do that, and we get more of a social gospel than the truth. But people will trade man's word for God's word most any time because man has a softer way of looking at things than God does. But you live in a world that's under judgment and lives in darkness, and God is trying to rescue. He's not trying. God is rescuing us from it by opening our eyes to see what we should withdraw from, what we should come apart from, and what we should not be a partaker of. If we don't get this right, we'll stay in the system of this world, add church to it, never experience that flow of grace in our life, and then wonder why it doesn't work. Then we'll start arguing with scripture. We'll start arguing with the preacher. We want to debate them. I don't know about that. Well, I know people go to church and they never, I don't know. And there's nothing that's working right. That's not the way God gave us to live. That's not what it's about. You see, it comes down to rightly dividing, at the end of that verse, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's something you have to do. God will tell you what the word means. It's the Spirit's work to give revelation of the Bible to his people. You're the one that has to listen. You're the one that has to let God put that together for you so that you can see it the right way. So that when you share the gospel, when you share things, you get it right. Because it, it is your life. It's like Deuteronomy 32 said about the word of God. He said, this is your life. Man doesn't live by bread alone. Life is not about food. It's about living on God's terms. That's what Christianity is. It's living by what the word says. So we mentioned this last week towards the close. The word of God is such that God doesn't want us to add anything to it, take anything from it. Believe it just like it says. Accept it on his terms. Just what is said there, that's the way it is. Don't turn from it to the left. And don't turn from it to the right. Don't look for some other way you can uh, better do it. Don't try to back off from something. Just do what he said. Now, there's not a lot of people that want to do that. People like to have options. They like to have a substitute. They like for God to be defined as somebody who's not all that strict because they dismiss or excuse themselves from living such a narrow life. And, you know, after all, nobody's perfect, they're told, and, and nobody can really live all of this. So you just do your best, and God understands. That's how we've humanized God, to make him like us, because that's how we think. And we think if we're okay with it, then he should be okay with it. And we're allowed to live far below the level that God has for us. But when you get right down to it, when God said, this is the way walking in it, he didn't say, but if it's too hard, try something else. God will never change his word. He will never water it down. He will never back away from it. What God spoke, the first time he spoke it is eternal. It'll forever be like that. Let me read for you something in the book of Joshua, another verse of scripture that I'm sure you're familiar with. Joshua chapter one and verse seven and eight. He's told Joshua as they prepare to enter into to the promised land. 
Canaan's fair and happy land, which is today so politically incorrect that if you talk about promised land today, well, it's not very popular. But Joshua's going in. God's given Joshua the mandate to take maybe a million people into a land. Ten, twelve spies saw it, but not the whole people. So they're going into a land. They don't know where they're going. They just know it's a good place. And he said, Joshua, you're going to take them in. You're the leader. But here's, here's the key to you being a leader. Here's the key to you being what God wants in a person's life. This is the key. Now, if you get it right here, you'll get it right all the days of your life. So here's the deal. Joshua 1, 7 and 8, he said, do not turn from the, the law of the Lord. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand so that you may prosper or have success in whatever, in wherever you go. He said, for in doing that, you shall make your way prosperous and then thou shall have good success. There's not a soul in this room that would not want to prosper and have good success. Prosper means things go well for you. It can mean financial things too, of course. But it just life goes the way you really want it to go. Because God showed you the way it ought to be, and that's what you want. He said the key to get it right is to go to this book, look at it, read it, and make a decision that only you personally can make, because this is personal between you and God, Make a decision to do what it says, not to turn left, not to turn right, not to leave this part out, not to leave that part, just do what it said. He said, for then, then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, you can do whatever you want to with it, but that's God's promise to this congregation assembled here tonight. He cannot lie. Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, in chapter 3, in verse 6, it says that God cannot lie. In Numbers 23, at the other end of the book, he said, if he has said it, he'll do it. If he has spoke something, he will make it good. If you are willing to cooperate and meet his terms, that's what you'll get in this life. And you won't find yourself sitting around on the phone talking to everybody about why ain't it working, what's wrong here. The problem is not God, the problem is with us. If God said it, he'll do it. So you go to the word and this is what he said. Are you willing to do this? If you want to get it right and leave woe and lack and poor old me behind you, then go to the word, humble yourself to this word. Don't turn from it to the left. Don't turn from it to the right. Do whatever you have to do to line up with the word. And he said, you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. Now, we call this, I did last week, getting it right, meaning that we have to have a word that is clean, a pure word. And a pure word, like in 1 Peter 2, 2, where he said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The word sincere is a word which can mean pure, unadulterated. Nothing is added to it. The way it comes forth, it is pure. Man hasn't had a chance to distort it yet, explain it away. 
Man hasn't had a chance to add human flavor to the word so that you're really not sure what the Bible means, but the brother so-and-so said it meant this. Now, listen, folks, listen to me. I, I know you've heard this before, and I said it a while ago, but let me say it again. Make sure you personally get this right. Don't depend on what the preacher said. Don't depend on what your mother, your brother, your wife, your sister, or anybody else said. You listen. You listen to what people say. You listen to what the preacher says. But it's not right because the preacher said it. It's not right because I said it. It's right because it's in the Bible and God said it. My responsibility is to quote and relate to you what that means. Now, we do have to explain things, but it should exalt the word when you, know, when you do. If God said you were healed, folks, you're healed. I don't care if everybody in this room up and died before we got through tonight. And I had to deal with all these dead bodies. The word of God is still true. God has never been deficient with his word. Never. So we stay with that. We get that hard-nosed about it. And so we spend our life looking that way. I want the word to be pure. I want to see it clean. I don't want anything added to it. Would you turn there? I want to show you something. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. The last few words in First Peter 2 and verse 2 says, you know, he said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. You see the word thereby? You don't have a lexicon here or a Greek dictionary. You would probably translate it, the word thereby, as to meaning like this. In this way we grow. Well, that's true. It, it, that is the way that we grow. But the word thereby in most translations has to do with salvation that we may grow unto final salvation. When you come to the Lord, what does he start with? He starts with the word, the milk. This word is designed to bring spiritual nourishment to a, a lean soul, a soul that's been wandering in the world, acting stupid all your life. God brought you out of that darkness, brought you to himself as corrupt as you were. He gives you a new heart, something that he can focus on and feed he feeds your spirit. And the, as the spirit begins to grow and you begin to take root and get rooted in this word, your life begins to change because you, you just let him have his way. This pure milk of the word, sincere milk of the word begins to take you on a journey from, from the beginning to the end. There's never a day, a time, a moment in your life you will not need the word. It's all we've got. He said, as newborn babes, we desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow literally unto final salvation. Listen at this translation. And this is not really a translation. This is a paraphrase. It's an amplified Bible. And it's not what we would call a real Bible, but is a, somebody puts together a lot of Greek and Hebrew words that amplify what the King James Bible says and gives you a broader definition, hopefully. But here's what it says. Like newborn babes, you should crave, thirst for, earnestly desire the pure, unadulterated spiritual milk that by it you may be nurtured and grow unto completed salvation all the days of your life. 
the word becomes a necessity and a joy in your life. It is how you're fed. It's what you hold on to. It's where faith comes from. It's how you grow. And you've got a desire. At no point can you draw back and say, that's too hard. You feel like that. I've been there with you. Man, I don't know anybody can do that. Who do I know that can live like that? I mean, you, you tell me that somebody, like turning the cheek or somebody just taking advantage of you and you blessing them to love your enemies and do good to those that despitefully use you. I don't know anybody does that. Not in, in America. I mean, God, guns, and guts made America. You know that. I mean, the, the good old boy routine is you hit me on one side, I'm going to come upside the other side. But that's not what the Bible teaches. God doesn't even let you get by with that. If that becomes your philosophy of life, there's a measure of grace that's held back from your life. You still go through the motions of Christianity. You have good days and all that. But, but there's something lacking in, in complete fulfillment because you're holding back. You didn't get it right there. You got to die to what doesn't want to agree with God. Are you with me? You got to give it up. That's what the cross is all about. Get on the cross and put all of that good old boy stuff on the cross until it dies. That's not a right way to live. You got to get it right by giving it up that way and let God have his way. And no other way is right. I mean, that's the only right way a man can live. And so there's this thing about growing Desiring the sincere milk of the word, not letting man corrupt it. The Bible and the New Testament speaks so many times about those who rest the scriptures to their destruction. They change the meaning of the scripture in a sermon so that people won't feel bad about having come to that meeting. They want you to know, well, we know the Bible says that, but don't you think God meant? And then they start that. Next thing you know, you not only don't know what you believe, but you don't even know why you believe it. Somebody's talked you out of it. In the Bible, evil men and seducers do that. Many shall depart from the faith in the last days, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons in the church in the last days. And Christians are so naive that they just can't see how that would happen. And when you say it's going to happen, they think you're mean and you're rude and you're legalistic and you're overboard. And I can say this, I could care less what you think. I know what the truth is about it. People are being deceived every day. Second Timothy said uh, that man's tales, man's fables, they begin to follow those things, man's version. And they just begin to tell people that's not for today. The Pharisees were very religious, but they left out most of the deeper things in the Bible. They weren't willing to live that way, so they left it out. But a pure word, the pure word is so necessary to getting it right that we have to start to, you've got to have a pure word. Now, tonight, how can you be sure? How can you sitting here tonight or those watching and those listening, how can you be sure that the word that you hear or that the word you receive is pure? How do you know it's not flavored with something outside of God? How do you know it's not mingled with worldly philosophy, logic, reason? I mean, how do you know that the word you've heard 
didn't end with a, you know, now that's a difficult thing that God said there. But, you know, let's be reasonable about this. I, I doubt that any of you could live like this. Nobody can live on the Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. That couldn't be for this age. It has to be for the millennium. Because it's so deep and so far over natural man's head, he can't live like that. We have to have glorified bodies and heavenly this and that before we can live the Sermon on the Mount. And so they explain it away. So when you read Matthew 5, 6, or 7, it's just good literature. It's not reality. Because somebody with an education told you that you didn't have to do that. That's pretty sad. But it happens all the time. So we warn people about that. But how do we know here? How do you know whether or not the word you have is pure? Have you been misled? How many times have you questioned what you've heard and professed to believe? You've looked at somebody it didn't work for. You've looked at some kind of a failure of sorts with somebody in the church or somebody in the world or something in the world. Something fell apart. Money didn't come in. Marriage didn't last. Kid had to go to jail. Whatever it was you were believing for. Laid hands on them and they died. You begin to question the word. You get on the internet today, you can find a lot of people that question what they were taught. They think they were mistaught, misled. They were deceived. They just followed a man, they said, and the, and the man misled us and deceived us. He told us it would work and it didn't work. So we have to ask ourselves, are we misled? How about this message of healing? Have we been misled there? Those who disagree with us say, you know, God could heal and God has healed. We know that. We will agree with you. That God has power to do such things whenever he wants to. But you cannot, as a believer or as a Christian, you cannot claim your healing and require or expect God to do it. You can't dictate to God what he must do for you. That's the way they say that. You cannot tell God what he must, must do. And we come back and say, we're not telling God what he must do. God told us what he would do. He said, clearly, I am the Lord that heals you. He said, my word is medicine to your flesh. You hide it in your heart, it'll bring healing to your life. I will remove, God said, I will remove all sickness from the midst of you. He said that. Now, that's what he said, and if you can read it, if you're willing to read it, and you want to read it, it'll say the same thing to you. Then we wonder, well, why didn't it work? Well, because God lied to you. That's why. He didn't want you all to have that. You know I'm being facetious. That's what people say. They don't actually say that, but that's what they're saying. Well, you can't tell God what he must, must do. Okay, so then what happens is, we have been deceived into thinking that we can come before the Lord, state our claim, and put God in remembrance, and that he will do something. And they say, well, you can't do that. And then you say this, well, then what can we do? And then you'll get it. You'll understand what I'm talking about tonight. They'll say, well, God could. He could do anything he wants to, but you see, it may not be his will to heal you. Oh. So the reason people aren't healed is because it's not God's will. Well, basically, yes. 
I mean, let's face it. If God was going to heal anybody, he would have healed my granny, grandfather, some saintly person in my life. I mean, if anybody would have got grace and blessing from God, it would have been them. I mean, come on. Nobody lived on a higher level as far as I'm concerned than they did, and they didn't get healed. So don't tell me that, God, you can claim it by faith and it'll happen because if it's going to happen to anybody, it would happen to them. And you ask them, well, did they ever claim healing? They don't know if they did or not, but they will just tell you it doesn't matter if you claim healing. Faith is, not, faith is insignificant. See, it's all up to God. You can read anything you want to. You can say faith comes by healing, but what you've got to realize is that only tells you that God could, but he may not want to in your life. See, there was a time when multitudes, 5,000, 10,000 people would come to Jesus. Remember these stories? They came to him and brought the lame and the halt and the sick, and they carried them on stretchers and whatever other way they had to bring them. And the Bible said he healed all of them. He didn't say he'd heal some of them. He said he healed them all. That's what he said. Now, I'm not going to change that. I'm not going to say, well, he did say that then, but today we have medicine and hospitals and doctors, and we don't need that. I beg to disagree with that. I won't beg long or strong, but I beg to disagree with that. There's never been a time in history the church didn't need what God had. And besides, most of you can't afford it anyway. I'm just saying that's not even a thing that my mind grasps a hold of. I don't think about that stuff. I want my mind to be filled with one truth. The only source of truth there is, that's God's word. I don't want to add anything to it. I don't want to compromise it. I don't want to have a substitute for it. I don't even want to weigh out. I just want it to be exactly what he said. Prosperity, well, where's the prosperity at? Look how many junk cars are in the parking lot, that type thing. Well, if God was going to bless anybody, it would have blessed granny and grandpa. Nobody lived more godly than they did, and their car wouldn't start half the time. Had to ride a lawnmower to church one Sunday because the car wouldn't run. You know what I'm saying. Now you're awake. See, all of this opposition. Let me ask you a question. Where does it come from? They're not getting it right because that's not what God said. Well, how is it then that God said he'll do this and he'll do this and this is promised and that's promised, but it doesn't seem like it's working? Well, do you suppose then that God has lied to us? Has God deceived us? If I say what he says, have I deceived you? Well, then what's wrong? It certainly isn't God's fault. Let God be true. And every man a liar. If they speak not according to this word, they don't have it right. They've got it wrong. And God doesn't bless wrong. There are elements of right and wrong, and every now and then a little blessing comes in. God is good. But boy, what you could have, somebody's talked you out of it. Somebody with words has stolen a gift from you. But this word has to be pure. We're accused of preaching error. I've heard this like you have, you know, well, that's heretical. Of course, we spend most of our time trying to answer questions. 
what you need to do is say, well, then you tell me what you believe. Tell me what you believe. You don't believe that God heals? Tell me what you believe. And, you, and let them try. Let them try to talk and don't, and don't get ornery. Just let them, let them try to explain what the Bible doesn't say. And then you'll realize just how corrupt they have been made by man's word. God makes no apologies for what he said in this book. He never apologizes. What he has said, he has said. If he said he will protect you and keep you and guard you from evil, he will. If he said he'll bless you when you go out and bless you when you come in, he will. Now, how you act and what your personality and how you're adjusting to God, I don't know. I hear stories all the time through the years of my life as a pastor of members, you know, under stress, but you, you cussing. I heard that the other day. And I think, you know, I, there, there's just a lot about people that I can't see, but apparently there, there's something wrong. Somebody got just enough right that they wanted right, but they left a whole lot out and a whole lot is wrong. How can this be? But it happens. You know how I love Jesus and the hands are up and praising God and then go out there, hit a wall, and, and, and then the old life comes, up, comes back. You're not getting it right. You're not going to do well. I'm going to have to try to explain to people why you're not doing well, and I can't. I don't know. That's not why the only reason people don't do well. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that there's a, there's a life that we have to live. You know, if, if we're wrong, if we've been deceived, maybe the world is right. Maybe God cannot be trusted to heal. Maybe faith is not really an issue. Maybe it doesn't matter if you believe or not. Not many people talk about faith. Not many. In the sense that God talks about it. Maybe they're right. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we've got it wrong. We thought God would bless us going in and bless us going out and whatever we put our hand through would prosper. And we thought that if we did not go from the left or to the right, that we would have good success in life. We were told that God will keep us, protect us, save us, send his word to heal us. The world says, well, apparently he didn't. Apparently he's not because look around. And sometimes a hard, cold, calloused answer to this world is, I don't care what I see in people. I do not judge how faithful God is by the experience that man is having. If he said in his word that he is something, then he is. Whether you experience it or display it or have it or not, God is still what he said he was. And people don't like for you to say that. Now, you don't mind because you keep coming. And eventually, you're going to get it. It's going to pop in there one night. We're going to jump up and start running and having ourselves a meeting. Whew, that would be good. But we have, folks, we have as Christians, we have a sure word of prophecy that God has given to us. We know in whom we have believed. We know why miracles work. We know why they don't work. People have just mingled the effects of the world, the way of the world, the mood and the attitude of the world has been brought into the Christianity 
And when we're amongst each other, we're just real Christian, and then we get away from each other, other stuff comes up. You got something wrong in your life. That ain't right way to live. You're not getting it right. You've got to get it right. Here's what you have to do. I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 14. How do we know if we're getting it right? How do you know? Let us search and try our ways and do what? Turn again to the Lord. Remember that song? Beautiful song. That's what we do. If you want to get it right, get it right. Eliminate wrong. Search the Lord. Listen at this. In Psalms 14, in verse 2, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Let me say this, and I'm not going to elaborate on it. A man who gains understanding from the Lord wants more of it because of what it does. What it does to your attitude, what it does to your outlook, takes away fearful moments, takes away your dread of tomorrow. It's something about seeing the way God sees, of understanding something. I see it. Oh, praise God. Okay, I see that. Your quests begin with searching for knowledge of the word, accumulating facts, gathering together the things that God says in his word. This word is truth. These are facts of truth. So you begin reading this. You need help. God said you did. You need the Holy Spirit to decipher or, or make clear what this is to you. And so you begin to look and study. You may not get it yet, but you know there's something there. So you begin to get more earnest about it. This is what the word study is applied about. You know, you, I want to pursue this. I really want to get to this. And you begin to seek after God that way. I want to know for myself. I know what all the experts at church say. I want to know for myself. So you begin to seek. And like the Lord said, he looked down from heaven on people that have heard the word. This earth has more Bibles in it than it's ever had. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there was any that did understand and that did seek God. How do you do this? Well, you got to dig. How many of you have ever dug? All of you, that's, that's, that's good. You know what dig is? Digging is removing dirt. You know, you can say, well, you're digging to the bottom of an issue. Well, you're not using dirt there. You're, you're, you're getting down to the bottom of something. You don't dig as a church ordinance. We're going to have a digging night tonight. Or we ought to dig once or twice a month. You don't dig holes in your yard just so, well, I'm, I'm digging. See, you got to have a purpose. There's a reason we dig. Turn to Luke 6, and we'll use this as our text for tonight, and we'll get started now, all right? Luke chapter 6, verse 47. Come on now. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. That's where the sentence starts. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? How do you understand that? 
is he saying here, before we go on, if he is saying something, then it is so important what he said that we should do what he said. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? Then this illustration. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. How do you understand that? You got that so far? I know you've heard this many times in your life. Whoever comes to Jesus, not to Brother Tom, not to Brother Smith, Jones, or anybody else, but whoever comes to Jesus and hears his word and has such a heart in him that what he hears is what he's willing to do. He may not understand all of that yet, but he knows that if God said it, it is eternal, it is unchanging, and it will be here forever. So he says, I'm going to do that. I'm going to lose my friends, may lose my job, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to be misunderstood and talked about and all that, but I'm going to do that. He said, let me show you what that man is like. The tribe of Hedendus. Remember the Hedendus? This is what Jesus said. This is what that person in his eyes is like. He is like a man in verse 47, or verse uh, 48. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon the rock. And the next verse says there was another man that built a house just as good, same kind of a house, but he built it on the sand. And when the floods and the adverse, adverse things in life came, the house fell apart and so forth. So here's the, here's the picture. The Bible said if you want to lay your foundation right, if you want what God has given you to build with to stand You've got to put it on the right foundation. You've got to get it on a rock. You've got to dig down to the rock. I'm sure many sermons have been how Jesus is a rock and digging his effort and zeal and, and all of that's true. But the picture is you've got to dig. You've got to dig deep. Now, before we say what exactly do you mean by digging, let me preface that with another question. Why do you dig? See, I'm digging for a foundation for myself. This is not some kind of a little church activity. This is my life. I want to make sure that when I get to the end of it, that I didn't fall apart getting there. I didn't give up, quit, and start blaming God. for. I want to make sure that when I get there, I get there the way I should get there. Nobody can dig for you. Nobody can learn for you. Nobody can have understanding or have revelations for you. The preacher or your friend, your parents may have revelation from the word God gave it to them. They may do their best to tell you what it is, but you can't understand anything God said unless he shows it to you. I want you to know that Jesus said there's a lot of people that have ears to hear. They have eyes to see, but they can neither hear nor see, nor understand what God is saying. Therefore, it meant nothing. I just think that's religion. But there are always those 
There's always the somebody who makes all of this work we're doing tonight worthwhile. That person who is hungry, that person who is listening, that person who came to church with a shovel. I want to get to the bottom of this. I heard what you say, preacher. Uh, That's all good and so forth. But I want to dig for myself because I want to know what I believe. I've heard what you believe. I've heard what you said. That's good. You might be right, but I need to find out for myself if you are right, because if you are right, I want to do that too. So give me those verses of scripture again. Preach the word to me. Let me hear what you said. I want to write this down and I want to make sure that I go home and check this out, that it really is what the Bible says. I believe what people told me a lot of my life before I got saved. Then after I got saved, I've been more than one person accused me of being, of all people in the world, accused me of being hard-headed. I can't, I can't believe that. <laughs> and what they're saying is, you just, why don't you just believe what everybody else is telling you? Believe what everybody else is doing. I don't want to. I've seen a lot of tragedies in my life people who were misled and gave up because of what somebody taught them that wasn't right. I want to know for myself. I'm glad brother so-and-so believed this or brother so-and-so believed that or pastor so-and-so said that. I'm glad, I'm glad for you, but I want to hear what you say. I want to check it out and see if I believe that. See if there's a witness to my heart by the Holy Spirit who gives revelation that I see the same thing that you do. I want to dig in here and find out about that. I know you spent many hours studying and you've Climbed every mountain in the kingdom. Thank you for all the debt because you're teaching me a lot of things, but I want to know for myself. Give me some room to grow. Don't condemn me if I'm not like you yet. It, meaning if you think you're right. I want some time. I want a place where I can grow. I want to find out for myself. I don't want to be condemned because I'm learning. We're all learning. All of us had it wrong somewhere, and the light comes in, gives us a chance to get things right, and the things keep getting right. We keep cleaning up things. The mind's being renewed. We're learning things we never knew before. I just want to get it right. I want to make sure I got it right. I dig personally. I dig because I'm looking for something. I'm looking for something. There's something I need. I haven't found it yet. I know it's in there. Maybe it's a little deeper. Maybe I need to dig a little deeper. So I'm out there with, with my shovel, digging deeper. My shovel's handle got too short, so I went down to the hardware store. Got me a long handle shovel and put it down in that hole. And push on, try to get some more. So you dig. I'm digging for me. I'm not studying for you. I'm I'm studying for me. The entrance of God's words give what? Light. Light is the only thing, the only word that I can think of that describes how God shows you something. Revelation, insight, light. And the preacher's got light and your friend's got light. Mom and dad have light. They might have pushed you a little hard, but they were telling you the truth. Light. And one day when you're digging, something happens. This is how you know when you don't have to keep digging. Your shovel makes a distinct sound. It goes dink. 
and you can't dig anymore because that's as far as you can go. You've dinked. You dinked. And when dink, when you go dink, a light comes on. Revelation comes and you go, oh, I see it. And there's a gladness of heart because God has shown you something. You've heard what he's shown everybody else, but now he's showing you something. I see it. Praise God. You dink. You know why you dinked? Listen to me. You know why you dinked? Because you were motivated. It wasn't a church structured activity. It was personal between you and God. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a Sunday school class thing. It was a me and God thing. Teach me thy way that I may walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name so that I, with purpose, can worship and praise you. I know what I'm doing now. And now I want to do it. Woo, you showed me. He has made me glad. That's what happens. It takes the sullen sadness out of us. It takes the effect of this day's activities out of you. All of tomorrow's unsolved problems, you can leave them at the door because God has given you, if you listen, he'll give you solutions. You begin to see truth in the way that God gives truth to those who want it. You dig because I'm motivated. I need it. I need it and I want it, and whatever the cost is, I am willing to do it. Teach me thy ways, O Lord, that I may walk in thy truth. I can't walk in truth unless he what? He teaches me, and he's not going to teach me if I don't want to hear it. If I'm just dull of hearing, I won't learn a thing. About all I can do is count on being a Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, whatever, Methodist, Presbycostal. And that's not good enough. You got to get it right. You got to take advantage of those right moments when the Spirit of God is moving with you. Maybe not the whole congregation. They might be asleep, but not you. No, there's something stirring on the inside of you. What is this? It's God blessing you. Heavenly grace, like a beam of light. You've seen those little beams of light? Like you shine on people before you shoot them? Beam of light focuses on your heart, and through that little beam of light travels grace, and God says, look at this, and you go, praise God. And you always smile next. You just, the next thing you do is smile. Praise God. What do you mean, praise God? What's, what's going on? I just saw something I've never seen before. Man, God, it, it, I don't know how to put this in words. God is good. Praise God. This is what I call normal Christianity. And yet today it seems so abnormal. You get excited, everybody goes, oh, yeah. You sing with joy. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. And people are going, what are you so glad about? What we should all be glad about? 
My name is written in a book. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and, and heaven belongs to me. Not because I earned it, not because I'm good enough for it, and I'm not worthy of it, but it was given to me by the grace of God. And it's my joy to seek him and to find out what he wants. He motivates me to do that. And the reason I'm motivated is because I see my need. Where am I going to go in this life without him? How am I going to please God with my life if I don't even know what he says? I wasn't saved by a stranger. Like Proverbs says, acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. The creator will. And he will open your eyes and show you things to come. He'll bring solutions into your life. If your way is not right, you're walking the way that's, that's not exactly his, his way, but your heart's right and you spend time with God, he'll fix it. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to say, look, you keep seeking God. Whatever is not right about your life, we'll let him fix it. Well, you failed. I failed in here and I dropped the ball. And I'm done. Okay, okay. You did. We're not praising you for that. We're not... Praising God or the devil either. Look, get yourself up. Go back to this truth and keep going. A righteous man may fall seven times, but the Lord, he lifts him up. We don't preach falling. We preach lifting up. But neither should we preach condemn, condemnation to people that in this journey of, of life had a bad day, let alone a bad hair day. You see, we, we dig. We dig until we dink. And when I'm talking about dinking, I'm talking about when the Scripture jumps off the page at you and becomes, as we say, when the Scripture becomes alive. Because digging is reading. It is meditating, which means to ponder and think. Something everybody ought to do more of. Digging is mulling over the word. I go to church, I hear things, I take them home with me. I say, Lord, what does that mean? He says, go get your Bible and read. Now I want you to tell me, let me call Josephine because she knows everything. No. I want you to spend time with me. You spend enough time with her and that's part of your problem. You need to call me. I'm always available. The throne of God is there. So you go and you spend time with the Lord. I was just reading, my current reading is in the, started off from the beginning of the Bible again a few weeks ago. I'm in Leviticus and all about the priest's garments and the this and the that's and the doves offering and the sin offerings and the burnt offerings and the libations and the, the heave offerings and the wave offer and all these kind of things. And you think, whew, but you know what? Even just reading it, reading every verse like you would everything else, reading every word. That's how slow and simple I am. I read every word, A, B, C, D, but at least I'm learning something. And in all of this, I keep telling myself, there's something here that hasn't been identified yet. There's something that exalts Christ because all of this is about him. Even those offerings, the, the clothes they wear, the way every piece of the garment was put together, the breastplate, all the stones that was on the breastplate, the Urim and the Thummim, and the garments and the altar out front and the 
and the brazen labor, everything has to do with Christ. And even then, you know, you feel like you're laboring going through that, but there's something there. I don't know what I would do with it yet. Come in and say, and I want to teach tonight on the, on the law of the sin offering. And, ooh, that's good. But it has to do with Christ. In some way, you have to make it go back to Christ. Remember Jesus said in John 5, he said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. Well, he said, they are they which testify of me. It's about me. Remember the road to Emmaus? When Jesus came to those two guys walking down the road talking about Jesus? And he appeared? And then he, the Bible said he started at Genesis and went all the way through Malachi and told how Jesus in the scripture must suffer all these things. What a message. Wouldn't you like to have that on tape? And then their eyes were opened because of the power and the influence of that word. Wow. But you see, Christianity, folks, involves part of what Christianity is, is what we're doing tonight. The time set aside where we come together to be inspired, to be, uh, if necessary, rebuked, to have attention called to us about our need for spiritual things and how God wants us to live and your personal necessity to dig in there for yourself. You're not digging because, well, it's a spiritual exercise. Everybody else is digging, I guess. That's not the reason you dig. You dig because I need to have God show me what I'm hearing he's doing and saying, I've got to know for myself because my faith is not based on, on you or you. My faith is based on what God shows me. A lot of people have tried to have faith to preach your head, and they're long gone. But when you know what you believe, when you know in whom you have believed and you are then persuaded, chances are you're never going to turn, turn back or turn away from it. As we begin coming to a close, would you turn to the book of Jeremiah chapter 29? Let me just read something. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13. This would be a good verse to memorize because of this eternal consequences. Back to what digging is. This probably tells you in the Old Testament what digging is. He says, and you shall seek me and find me. When? Read it quietly. You shall seek me and find me when? This is when you'll find him. This is when God and the revelation of who he is will be made real to you so that he is to you what he said he was and not just a figment of biblical literature, but a reality. You shall search me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart, with all your heart. That's what digging is. And when you dink, you found him. And when you dink, you'll start smiling. You've had, an, you've had something happen that ought to happen all the time. And if it hadn't happened all the time, you've just had a beginning. Something started. Hopefully it'll happen every week. Dink. What is that? Digging, man. 
Dink. What is that? That's the rock. You dig down there to where that is. You can't dig through a rock. That's all you got to do is find that. Now, put your feet on that rock and start growing. You just found the foundation. You didn't find it because you read about it. You didn't find it because you went to the church, the first church of diggers. You found it because you dug for yourself. You're one that dug because you're a digger. You dig and you dug and you found. And now you're the object of people's comments. You walk around with that funny looking little smile on your face all the time. You're the person that seems to always be positive. You always see the good side of things. The glass isn't half empty, it's half full. They won the lottery and had to give up $10 million. You mean they got to keep 20? It's just everything changes. Church, I don't, you don't have to tell me I need to go. I, I'm, I'm experiencing God. I want to be there. That's the way it should be, folks. That's the way God wants it to be. Because when that starts happening, you're getting it right. You're getting it right. Nobody has to tell you you need more of it because you taste and you see that the Lord is good, then you want more of it. You'd be easy to preach to then. In fact, we might preach too long then because you start dragging it out. You want more of it. You got an appetite. Amen. God is good. Faith comes how? Hearing by the word. If Brother Hamilton said it, I can have faith in it. Well, I hope you can't, but you find out for yourself. Same Bible I use, you can use. I might have paid more for mine than I should, but you don't have to pay a lot for it. The cheap ones say the same thing as the expensive ones. But read the content. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.